Hi, welcome to the Arts Equator Dance Podcast. I'm Chan Su Wei, and here today with me in the studio, we have Lim Chin Huat, Susan Sendler, and Vanini Bellarmino. And we're here to talk about dance in galleries in Singapore. Just by way of introduction, Chin Huat is a choreographer and cross-disciplinary artist and educator who directed Singapore's first full-time dance company, ECNAD, which undertook many interdisciplinary and site-specific projects over the years. Susan is a dance artist occupying multiple roles, including maker, teacher, director, researcher, etc. And she's worked extensively in the US, the UK, and Europe. She's got a special interest in work in galleries, where she frequently integrates her own photography and film practice and has collaborated with visual artists. Vanini is Assistant Director of Programs at the National Gallery Singapore, a curator who's worked in Singapore, the Philippines, and across Europe and Asia with a particular interest in bringing interdisciplinary projects into gallery settings. So today, looking at dance in galleries, of course, this is not something that's terrifically new. We know that contemporary dance and dance as distinct from performance art has been appearing in galleries, um, both as collected work and commissioned work by museums and galleries across the world. We can think of works like um, those by Tricia Brown and Yvonne Rayner, or more contemporary work that's being collected, um, like works by Xavier Lohua or Tino Segal. And in Singapore, I was looking back and um, thinking about performances such as um, Lim Fei Shen's collaborations in the 1990s that she did with Tan Sui Hien, um, with his calligraphies and paintings. But it seems like to me that there's sort of a different moment in Singapore now because there is a sense of systematic introduction of performance into galleries that hasn't been there before. And the two galleries which I know of which are quite active in that at the moment are the National Gallery of Singapore and the Art Science Museum, which Fanini also programmed for previously, which now has a sort of different direction in its programming, but continues to do so. And I've also seen performance at NTU, um, Center for Contemporary Art, and some of the private galleries. I'd like to invite us to take a closer look at what is actually happening here, what is special about this, and what does it mean. And I'd love to start with two specific pieces that Chin Huat made and Susan made at the National Gallery, which were pieces made um, inv invitation to respond to visual artworks. So in Chin Wat's case, um, you made a piece called In Her Hands. Yes. Which was a piece um, inspired by your mom. Is yes. that right? Yeah. With um, <laughs> Melissa Leo. <laughs> yes. It's a collaboration of uh, seven artists to work together. So it's a collective work. Yeah. So yeah, like what you mentioned just now is inspired by uh, my mom in a certain way. But on the other side, when we get invitation by National Gallery, yeah, we feel like the work actually fit in the environment pretty well because that's uh, all the painting is sort of my childhood because I born in Malaysia, so those kampong uh well images and also uh well the people and also like the hawker the mothers all this like it's very much like my childhood. And these were the works of Chen Chong Sui. Yes, mm -hmm. that's right. Uh, yeah. a, a Nanyang painter who worked in Chinese painting yes. and calligraphy yes. styles. Yes. Would yeah. you like to say a little more about the work? Well, uh, well, when I walked into the gallery, when Vanini talk, uh, spoke to us about this, like, well, because we have uh, quite a bit of conversation with the National Gallery earlier, uh, last year, but we just haven't picked some, a place which is more suitable 
and then when we saw that that exhibition and then we agree like oh yeah there's a place we can actually set one of a chapter of our complete work to be staged end of the year so for that particular chapter which is more on the childhood the mothers yeah which fit in very well so we decided to explore on that you mentioned that Chinwat also mentioned that he was also trained as a visual artist, which we found yes. quite striking. <laughs> He's now performing, and this seemed to be yeah. something that's coming up with the, some of the dancers and choreographers that we have been working with. Yes, yeah, yeah because, uh, well, it actually similar to my pathway, because I was trained as a visual artist before I, well, changed to performing arts. Yeah, so that's also my uh, path. So kind of like you make a connection in a certain way. So when I set this piece, and also I want to bring my mom to go through my journey, yeah, to revisit uh, my past. And actually, that's something which is I can use as a reference when she's here in my piece. Yeah. Yes, you actually had, that was such a surprise for me when I came to see the show. And Chin Huat's mom was actually there. Um, yes. I, I guess uh, we, we see her at the end of the piece. I got a hint of it because I came early and I saw her helping you fix the sewing machine uh -huh. at which you had this beautiful length of quilts yes. that you had yep. sewn and then you brought mm -hmm. into the gallery yep. with you mm -hmm. and you and Melissa were telling your stories of your journeys to Singapore to yes. train as dancers and mm -hmm. actors but also looking back in time I guess trying to look through your your mother's perspective of yes. time and what Nanyang maybe might have been like in an earlier mm -hmm. time and yep. that was very touching and very beautiful. And at the end of it, um, you had your mum and Melissa had her daughter yes. walking back to the start of the exhibition. Correct. Um, it was it was incredibly touching. Well, it wasn't. Uh, uh, my mum didn't know she's supposed to be in the show. It's just a <laughs> surprise for her. So first show, she was totally in tears. <laughs> no. And then later, she more get into it, and she even helped me to fix the sewing machine when it mm -hmm. caused some problem. <laughs> Could I get you to talk a little, Susan, about your piece, which was called Roof Response. And this is something yeah. you made, um, it showed in end August, early September last year. It was the end of is August. Right? And it was uh, last weekend of August last year and the first two weekends of September. September. And it was a three hour duration. I was interested, mine was completely diverse from yours. <laughs> mine was interested, I came in with nothing. Um, frankly, I was introduced to Dan Bo's installation that he did particularly for the roof garden and um, and I investigated him as artist and now he's very conceptual quite political but in that particular work I was stimulated first by its conversation with with the uh, with the cityscape of, of Singapore and I think he was in conversation with that immediately um, his choice of materials which I found absolutely beautiful um, he was using Vietnamese wood um, and, and he was um, slotting them in. There was a kind of jigsaw-like play uh, with the construction of them. And then moreover, he chose these beautiful um, artifacts of, that were in marble that were contrast to this. So they were almost like embraces or bodily. So I really found this interest um, in this abstraction between um, kind of the human, the bodily embrace versus this more um, geometric kind of play, um, and that's what I that's what I played with. Um, I worked with dancers from La Salle. I teach at La Salle. Um, I was asked to work with them, so I selected eleven dancers, 
coming from all different um, programs as, and, and different levels. Um, and I had nine of them situated outside the entirety of the time, two of which were situated inside because he had a small artifact in the entrance to um, the gallery that was encased in a, in a um, cardboard kind of, in a wood box. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the, the marble kind of bodily images. And that one I played very subtle. I found it very interesting because I, I saw, I observed it many times beforehand and nobody was seeing it. Hmm. They didn't even notice that artifact. Yeah. And um, though there was um, a, a signage on the wall that you know indicated that. When the dancers were there, all of a sudden people were looking at the signage, mm -hmm. looking down, they, they were curious. It, it, uh, by the use of the body, in um, in collaboration and in conversation with the object, with the space, it drew the eye in of the spectator, I, be I believe. And frankly, there were some security guards who were not notified, and they were almost about to arrest the dancers, <laughs> and they had to save them because, and they were doing very, very, very subtle activity. They were just um, kind of um, nesting around the area or leaning up against the wall. Hardly they were moving. still hardly yeah, moving, yeah. very, very, very still. But um, it frightened the um, security people. <laughs> upstairs, however, <laughs> upstairs, which I, I adored. I thought that was great. You know, they were like, well, what are these bodies doing? You know? um, then I thought it was very, very interesting. Um, upstairs, they had, um, I think we developed a series of four or five kind of movements that I would call within the scores, I call them chapters or episodes, that they played with. So it was a structured improvisation, so they had space to improvise in the moment. Um, and I loved it in that I was thrilled. I mean, my whole desire is how can I encourage the spectator to spend more time, to view, to stay, to observe, to notice. And I believe the majority of people stayed in that site at least about 20 minutes or so. Whereas there was so much chaos, it was happening mm -hmm. simultaneously the first two weekends with the Kuzama exhibition, which was manic. Mm. And upstairs where mine was nested, people were quiet. It was very zen-like and I was very excited by that. So um, I was interested also in that kind of sensation and, and mood to be stimulated. And I think I, 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 it did work. Mind you, um, this is one type of kind of work I do. It's in response to, and I really try to think about the space itself, the work itself, the materials of the work, a variety of issues when I go on board with things like this. When I'm doing my own work, um, it's, it's more of a, it's more coming from my a specific idea that I'm resonating with. Um, and um, yeah, and, and usually in combination with film and photographic stills, sound, object, etc. Um, but I must emphasize, and I think this is one thing that's really important versus um, visual art is this whole sense of author versus kind of collaborator. As I think when we're working in with dance um, or, or that kind of performance activity, that it is, it is multiple voices that are collaborating together. Um, I never consider myself as complete author, um, and whereas in the modernist um, terminology of author. Um, yeah, whereas I think a lot of visual art, um, they will be the first one to do that. I think that's where we bump heads a lot when 
uh, visual artists do use dance within their work, they still obtain the sense of authorship and not um, allowing a kind of um, um, sharing mm -hmm. of the, the making of the work with those, uh, those dancers or participants present. <laughs> That's actually quite striking. I wanted to respond to it because it happened um, to me some years ago because most of the works that I have been doing before were pretty much like always collaborative. So this authorship, que the question of authorship. Mm -hmm. So we did this project, I think more than 13 years ago or something like that. So where the choreographer um, stayed with the visual artist for about a week. Mm -hmm. And then this is mainly about the exchange, this energy exchange of ideas about life, the way of working, until such time that the, the, um, the visual artists develop a, an entire um, painting inspired by this particular exchange, this one week exchange. Mm -hmm. Painting was sold to a collector. And then 10 years later, there was a show, a retrospective on this particular artist. And it was just like sold as, as a body of work to a commercial entity. Including the performance. Oh, well, the performance, I just found out that the videos that were used, that we worked on collaboratively, uh, was used for this particular show. And I really find it quite touching or like really striking that you pointed this out, how you also specify your particular work mm -hmm. and then like having the authorship for your work, say even film or mm -hmm. photography, as opposed to being a choreographer. Yeah. Well, it's shared, yeah. it's shared as far as I'm yeah. concerned because it's a conversation. If, it, if, if I were the performer, yeah. as well as it, where I'm not, I, I, I work with others. And I think that work, I think in dance, we have an immediacy of understanding that shared um, kind of making. And I think um, for certain, for, like for, for certain yeah. career for purpose. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 very true, very true. Yes, I mean, I think there was a past situation where that did not come into her play, but it's very, it's very. It's <laughs> changing now. Thank yes. you. It's very prevalent today. Um, however, we're still hitting obstacles left, mm -hmm. right, and center mm -hmm. on that. Even with ones who are more um, intelligent and know that, mm -hmm. we're still hitting obstacles with that. Yeah. But perhaps I could in invite Vanini to say a little about. Um, uh, maybe for a start from your perspective as a gallery programmer, it's a very specific choice to um, invite performance or interdisciplinary work into the gallery in this format of response. Mm -hmm. And both of these pieces I see sort of framed that way. You did mm -hmm. tell me it's a little different with Chinhua because your seed of an mm -hmm. idea came before you came into contact with the Chinchong Sui collection in that specific gallery. Mm -hmm. But the decision mm -hmm. to frame the interdisciplinary work that comes into the gallery at the moment is usually like with regard to a certain existing work. Mm -hmm. And another thing that struck me was that in both the um, the Danvo and the Chen Chong Sui mm -hmm. um, pieces or, or exhibitions mm -hmm. that it wasn't really possible for Chin Huat or Susan to collaborate with them first because Danvo wasn't there and because Chen Chong Sui mm -hmm. has passed away, hasn't he? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so for the gallery, actually, we do want to provide this new entry point for, for the public. Like, interestingly, like what, again, Susan mentioned when, like, this particular artifact of Yan Vo, which is at the entrance of the gallery, which was not, would normally have not been noticed mm -hmm. because it just looks like, you know, a, gr a marble, like, mm -hmm. sitting there. Um, 
to for the bodies to accompany the work and to provide like attention um, to give another perspective for the public in experiencing the work and I think this um, idea of slowing down as well because um, normally everyone is really busy I mean the gallery is so porous like you have two buildings um, merged into one and you actually trying to figure out how to find your way but like providing like this new entry points we actually capture um, people who probably would not normally take notice of the art or probably would not have come to the gallery and to have this different um, to provide this different sensation the longer strategy of course is like we have this three tiers of like um, audiences that we would like to target those who have not come to the gallery yes. um, those who are already interested but you know probably I don't know how do you encourage them to come back um, and then those who are specialized audiences, whether they're specialized museum audiences or um, music enthusiasts or dance enthusiasts or new media enthusiasts and so on. So by providing this other layer, <coughs> you see the works in a different light. So I mean, to see the work of Jan Vose through this choreographic piece, Rufert's Fonts, or In Her Hands, uh, in her hands, use, they use like three different languages to communicate. Yes. Um, apart from using their bodies, they also use text. We also work with poets um, who respond or reimagine particular pieces, reimagine the lives of, of artists. So different artists have different ways of responding to it. And so this hopefully will provide like another layer of confidence for the public that there is no right or wrong way of reading a particular work or experiencing an exhibition. I think what's so beautiful about performance work, whether it's dance or theater or other forms where you have physically embodied performers mm -hmm. in the gallery, is I think that certain impact that uh, a, a gallery viewer and audience who is there in their bodies, and I think with the presumption that the artwork is something that hangs on a wall or might be a static piece mm -hmm. of sculpture, um, suddenly takes on another human embodied moving dimension and it makes you relate to the work in a different way. I'm thinking now of Melissa sitting in front of the painting of the lady in red and herself also in red, kind of creating another depth to the landscape and the time. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So I, I guess I, for in the hand, because uh, our work are working with the team of mother, and actually when we get into gallery, it actually changed uh, a bit of our original uh, idea of how we want to set the piece. And what well, in fact we did get inspiration from the painting of Chen Chongshui, yeah, because uh, a lot of things we might not think about it when we get into a gallery, how we respond to all the paintings. And also, I think it's very important. This is actually very uh, well, a lot of people they may not be aware of all the details of the painting, and we are the one actually try to bring out certain selective uh, painting so we imitate a similar thing which is similar to what we went through, so to make audience remember such images in the gallery. Yeah. It's also for the performer, there's another layer because it's you're not performing on stage, the yes. proximity, the access of the audience is like really this close, so yes. um, it provides another layer of experience for the uh, artists that we work right. with, um, the way hopefully opens up another way of, of working, um, yeah, like what Chin Wat said, so I'm about like, yeah. Um, I know you're probably going to flip here, <laughs> but I think, <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think it's the idea of going up dance or performance in general, mm. 
going beyond response and those kind of works, and there's a whole host of them that are, um, their site is not the proscenium stage and may not be a site specific, but is desire to be in the gallery or in the museum per se. And if there's a certain kind of habitus that, that yields uh, for certain works. And I, this is where I think, I, I think we need to find, to encourage programmers um, to look into that. Um, and I, I gave a talk for the AAA um, two years ago for Art Basel. There was a call out for talks. And it was specifically, and it was entitled New Dance Politics, Art or Dance. And um, I subdivided exemplaries into ideas of body as source, body as archive, body as architecture, body as facilitator or participant, body in response, which are the ones that we're talking about, or body as political. And then also you can talk about the body as um, material or element within cross-trans, multi-interdisciplinary uh, works. But I think um, there's a whole host, uh, if you look at Tino Segal, it's, his work is completely devised by bodies um, performing, and he calls his performers participants. Um, again, different people have different ways of um, attributing who, what, who they are. But um, it's, and, and, and it's in a specific gallery museum site. It's in a public site. But at the same time, um, the whole work is manifested in the body, not, not in response to, it may be, may be, such as this association was a response to the, the Turbine Hall and the Tate Modern, but um, it was built upon that. But I think we need to really start considering or urging um, um, gallery sites and museums to start looking into these kind of works because they are just as prevalent and necessary for, um, and not just a tag on as a response or as a complete works itself. Yeah. Thank you. you like to jump in on that? <laughs> <laughs> no. It's also another interesting thing, like, when I start to create all this, like, well, bring people to gallery or to a, uh, well, probably sculpture, garden, all this, is to uh, create a, well, a flow of, uh, to bring people to watch the, an art, art piece or artwork or to bring dance or performances closer to public because through all this uh, special program or it just happened in public space or well an unconventional uh, setup so I think they'll be uh, more interesting for a lot of publics so it creates attention and also awareness mm -hmm. so people who don't really walk in the gallery through all these activities they'll come over and then they'll get mm -hmm. to understand what but they the, never go through. Sometimes. But then I'll be devil's advocate to that, is mm -hmm. that, um, and this was one of the things that was brought up in the talk when it was brought up mm -hmm. by Anna Chan, who runs uh -huh. Kowloon, um, is if it's just a matter of bringing, you know, situating the piece inside a gallery mm -hmm. just for that sake, but it's not really addressing the work and the mm -hmm. needs of the work, is that appropriate? Mm -hmm. I don't think it is. You know, I think it, it, you know, I think I think we need to really consider those people and those artists and those works mm -hmm. that manifest themselves in particular sites and have um, a need um, at, to uh, that the work itself um, becomes more uh, adheres to and becomes more visible because of the nature of the site. Um, it's not a matter of just transplanting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. 
Um, Fanini, would you like to jump in? And also from your, yeah. your experience <laughs> as a curator, and you've worked in so many yes. more settings. But it's just always the gallery tailor in made. Frame. I think like yes. the, the the gallery is a very demanding space. Mm -hmm. To be honest, oh, like no, um, of course. it's much more demand. It's demanding from all directions. Uh, it demands a lot from from the choreographers or from the performers themselves because um, it's a new type of encounter. Mm -hmm. um, you also have this. Uh, interestingly, you were talking about the audience encounter, but mm -hmm. not all audience actually appreciate it. There's still we're still in a process of like orienting the public and having them like understand that um, actually the body is not just an object but it's like mm -hmm. another way of, of seeing through the exhibition or experiencing the work it's not about something to take because you know nowadays it seems like so important um, to take an image uh, there was like to take yeah mm -hmm. to, to be take a photograph do you to mean? Ta yeah so mm -hmm. to capture everything mm -hmm. and well they and don't even look they don't even notice they just exactly. shoot yeah, yes. so yeah. it's like um, this slowing down process. I think this is also called to slow down a bit. Like that's mm -hmm. why we try to integrate performance. Well, it's Palisma. Um, Palisma speaks about it. In yeah. fact, in this talk, I ended yes. with so uh, a quote. It's called, it's from Palisma, from uh, one of his books. Yeah. Um, in a culture where time vanishes or is exploded, as in our age of speed, the task of the art seems to be to defend the comprehensibility of time, its experiential plasticity, tactility, and slowness. Mm -hmm. So in other words, you know, it, it, it's kind of a responsibility. Mm -hmm. uh, so in response to that side, when I first create uh, more like, well, bring people to want to connect with the visual mm -hmm. arts, because I realized that in 90s, when Singapore started to become more urbanized, mm -hmm. uh, while people hardly stop and appreciate an art piece, so during that, my intention is just to slow people down, to stay there, to appreciate the artwork. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I create a uh, well dance pieces just well with all mm -hmm. these art pieces. And actually, we are, to be honest, we are a very um, fortunate, lucky. We're lucky to have been, to be in working in this environment. Say, mm -hmm. for instance, the National Gallery. We do have very cooperative colleagues. Like our curators are also quite open. They've opened really the doors of the exhibition spaces to us, to the programs team, to be able to work together. And there's also genuine interest to work with artists, like both from Singapore and Southeast Asia and, and beyond, obviously. But I think, once again, it, it's, it's also not looking at it as in, a, in a specific lens, you know, as response. I think that's one way. Mm, yeah. I think it's one way. I, but I think it's also investigating works too that stand on their own. That, um, but then again, the tricky thing is be that the uh, the maker of the work, in um, conversation with the gallery, with the producer, with mm -hmm. the with the curator, etc. Of what are the needs for the particular? What are what is the duration? Mm -hmm. What are the particular needs of the performers? Um, because again, once again, they aren't an object, so therefore they need a resting yeah. place. They need they they need certain rotors of how how to deal with it. They may need certain um, other facilitators. I'm I'm coming back to the Hayward Gallery to work with Josiah McGallery's work. Um, this is in London. In London, yeah, which I already did at the White Cube and mm -hmm. at Whitechapel, and they're so fantastic. This time, they really want for the whole four months. The, and it's activating his particular artworks that he calls costumes. They're very heavy, it's very precarious, um, but he wants contemporary dancers doing it, and I've mm -hmm. kind of been with this. But I think it's interesting, they've already said, 
we're going to employ um, osteopaths in the suits and stuff. I'm like, thank you. You know, I just <laughs> literally, That's you know, they, they came to me, should we? And I said, yes, you should. You know, and, and, and when we worked in Tino Seagal's work, these associations, which was three months ongoing, after about the first couple of weeks, they came to me and several of my other colleagues and said, help, people are getting injured left, right, and center. What can we do? And, um, and, and again, we hired two osteos that came in full-time on the Wednesday and Friday, and we're seeing people back-to-back. Yeah. Again, it's, it's, it's also taking on this kind of sense of responsibility of what do you need to um, support mm. the body. What is, what is an infrastructure? Yes, for, very, for good. Yeah. very good. The museum is not built for that, but we did like two particular pieces that are really standalone, like for Leeming Way. It's not on dance, but it's an opera. So we had um, um, Leeming Way Sonic Blossom that run for 21 days um, at the gallery, which is quite challenging because the gallery is, again, not a performing art space, but mm -hmm. it's also not an excuse to stage uh, standalone works mm -hmm. like that. So it was there, and it was quite interesting like to go against like certain rules, like you can't vocalize if you're a opera singer, and they say, you just don't say it, you just go to the bathroom <laughs> and vocalize if you have to vocalize, because they had like a six hour, we had a six hour performance yes, for course. 21 yeah. days. Well, this is where I came into yeah. dispute at the White Cube, because they, um, they had a green room that was on the opposite side of the square, um, and it was, this is January, so it's raining, it's snowing in London. Um, and and I had to fight with them to allow the dancers to stretch afterwards because I mean it was it was excruciating these twenty five kilos on their shoulders, and then afterwards when they allowed me to do it, if anything, the people who were visiting the exhibition loved it because they had time to converse with the dancers yeah. of how it was to embody these costumes, what it was, et cetera, et cetera, and they realized there was another layer of kind of communication that the invigilators could not could not provide to the public but the dancers could mm. so it almost became another level of accessing absolute work absolutely um, just listening to the talk about sight and costumes yeah. um, I, I would really like to invite Chinwat to <laughs> uh, whether there's any experience you'd like to share because I know you've also worked in in settings with, uh, with galleries, with installations, you've yes. done beautiful work with costumes. What are, is there an experience you'd like to share and some of the considerations that were required because this involved bodies? Uh, well, one of my, well, people so say my signature is actually uh, well, elaborate costume. Mm -hmm. So I can have an extension on a dancer's body mm -hmm. because I see dancer could be, look like a mobile uh, sculpture. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times it could be like in a, well, in a building, mm -hmm. or even well at the courtyards, or even public in spaces. You've done many works yes, in public spaces. Even in a fountain. So yeah. I turn a lot of uh, things alive. It's more like I see dancer as a sculpture, in certain way. Because sometimes it's interesting when they see something out of uh, the frame. Which well, there's is many sculpture artists now who mm -hmm. are slip slippage into performance. Mm -hmm. just because of that, because of the three-dimensionality. Yes, and even I work in the places like a shopping mall, mm -hmm. allow the well, window display turn alive. So they open mm -hmm. the door and then well, all those mannequins, there's actually dancer. So it become like, uh, even I bring like metal pieces, become costume, paper. So all these things kind of become a kind of window display, then they become a performance. So it become more interactive with the public 
which is I uh, it was my intention start from nineties. I bring dance closer to the public. So in fact, most of my uh, work not staged in theater, conventional theater. Mm-hmm. So I explore different type of space, architectures, or uh, even like different gallery. So I went to a different type of gallery, in, include like Asian Civilization Museum, Substation Gallery. So I can turn the gallery into a cafe, or even like wow, uh, just have a conversation with the architecture of the building. Mm-hmm. I think maybe what a lot of audiences don't always realize when they see a work in an unconventional setting, they're hit by the freshness of it. Yes. But I think there's another layer where they don't realize the amount of work that's mm. gone into mm-hmm. it from the artists yes. or the curators um, to be able to adapt this mm. to, to be possible, mm-hmm. to make the circumstances amenable to live performance, mm-hmm. to make this sustainable and mm-hmm. survivable for the dancers. And especially a lot of them who perhaps are more stripped down and it's just the mm-hmm. bodies and mm-hmm. stuff. People may see it as just, oh, well, there's this improvising on the spot and they, you know, and in reality, in order to allow that sh- stripness and to allow that clarity of what they're trying to do and the agency that they're trying to um, propose upon the spectators, it takes a lot of work. Takes a lot of takes a yes. lot of work. Takes a lot, and then and then also you always have to leave everything open for what may happen in the moment. What, what happens? Surprise, you know, um, an entity because that's that's part of the the beauty of it. But yes. it's also it's part of the you you want to keep your performers safe, you know. So how do you um, hold that? Is really 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 tricky. But um, I think it's crucial now, and I think it's crucial getting back to throwing the agency back on or, or pushing an agency on the spectator so that they aren't just taking a selfie with the object, with the, with the performance, with the thing, they're engaging with it and perhaps getting something out of it. <laughs> Interestingly, some I had this experience before, like when we started doing it, mm-hmm. but this is with, another, uh, with Art Science mm-hmm. Museum. People actually, because they don't expect to see performance or dance mm-hmm. um, inside the galleries, they pretend that it's not there. So <laughs> I've had like yeah. we had this yeah. durational piece for I think it was four hours of Echo Soprianto um, choreographed twenty dancers from La Salle, and um, they were situated in the different um, stages of Andy Warhol's life. So that was mm-hmm. the idea. And then I have seen the audiences like on a Saturday, oh very beautiful. Of course, the dancers, you know, whether or not. They're usually very beautiful because just the presence is mm. the, presence, <laughs> the presence is quite attention, strong. Attention you know? how you say beauty. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I'm talking about like the presence yeah. of the body is quite resting. You know, when you have a dancer perhaps. there, yeah. yeah, perhaps. And so you have these couples coming in, and you have guys pretending I did just not see this uh, beautiful uh, dancer like moving next to the painting or to the artwork. Mm-hmm. So. There is some sort of denial that this body exists in this particular space, um, and I've obs- yeah. and I've obser- I've observed this a couple of times um, when it's being done inside um, the gallery. I mean, the proximity, of course, is different when you are doing something like for Chenchen Sui, where that yes. uh, space at the National Gallery, certain spaces. Um, does not allow this because you are really confronted with the body. Mm-hmm. I think in the case of Susan's work, you can see it from a distance, so it's not mm-hmm. so much in your that one particular work. Yeah, that yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been involved in works. I mean, say for instance with Xavier Loire. Yeah. Um, I worked in his uh, in the making of his Untitled, which, which is yeah. um, completely he he re he disconstructs low pieces, 
completely nakedness. It's in a gallery, and we have conversations with people, and it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. It kind of drifts, and his work is mainly deals with transformation, mm -hmm. and it's absolutely beautiful. Um, but it's there's, I mean, some people would walk and see and then go away for yeah. fear, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> other people, you know, slowly enter in, and we're we're to entice them to come in. Um, by by constructing these kind of conversations as well, um, but there's all different kinds of, of and I think it takes time. Going back to the time, not only does it take time, <laughs> not only does it take time, um, do we want to slow down time for the spectator, but it will also take time for them to learn how to um, um, enjoy and grasp and desire these kind of works. And so, therefore, I believe the galleries need to be bold and courageous to start um, that conversation to unfold. Thank you for that mm -hmm. thought. And think, speaking of, of time and aspirations on how this could move forward, maybe mm -hmm. um, building on what Susan's just said, Fanini Chinhua, would you like to share any thoughts for where dance and galleries might go in future in your own wish? Uh, I guess, like, well, compared to earlier times, we have to break the rule we have to apply entertainment license for every single rehearsal oh. when we work uh, during mm -hmm. then. Really? But now, yes, we have to write all the way to the minister, to the, well, well I even wrote to police president. license, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, just to break the rule. And we have to engage police to be around because we couldn't get closer to the public in the past. Mm -hmm. Like there's a safe distance. Mm -hmm. There's a, uh, well, they actually like say, well, how many meters away? Mm. Yeah and there should be a barricade. Has that changed? Yeah. Uh, it changed, but since the first production I did, I break the rule, so I fight for it. Yeah, so uh, I guess uh, I'm happy to see now the National Gallery are actually very supportive to make it so easy for us, so it's actually luxury. And the other thing I would like to talk about it is whenever we put up a show like that, we actually look into the structure, how we engage the public, how we attract the attention. So very often we work as a team. So I say I also say it's a collective work. So include dramaturgs to look at the how people make connection with mm -hmm. the piece and also make connection with the environment, with the exhibition. So there's something we went through on uh, quite uh, a few rounds. I think um, we need to look into exemplaries that are existing today throughout the world, so such as MoMA, Paletti Tokyo, the Tate Modern, that have particular spaces that allow, that are, 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 are made, are dedicated, and also to can expand to, or have a porosity to allow, um, be that static works or be that performative works. And further, furthering what you said, budget. They need to understand that this is work. This is work. The choreographer does work, the dancers do work, the performers, dancers, uh, participants, whatever you want to call them. If you need a dramaturge, if you need the constituencies of making the work, it's work. And I have bumped heads here already with people who do not understand that, who think that it's just kind of this desire to make is so <laughs> overwhelming that um, they'll do it anyway. They'll do it yeah. for free. They'll do it for free. And yet they'll pay umpteen million amount of dollars for a particular um, piece, for a particular for object. A painting or a sculpture. Yes, yeah. correct. And, and that needs to stop right here and now. 
Um, <laughs> um, yeah, because um, because there's a, for me, especially training dancers at this moment, and I'm constantly telling them about how to change. I hate the word industry. I think it's practice and um, how we can change this landscape and to provide more working opportunities for them. And I see this as as a really fantastic frontier. And uh, but um, the government needs to look upon it as being nece necessary, and they need to budget it. Closing thoughts. <laughs> I think from it, you see, you said about the wish. I think the wish is yeah. to be able to continue and push this forward, so that we could continue building on what we've already started. I think like what we worked on with Susan and with uh, Chin Wat is just like a starting point. It's still at the Maybe. layer. It's, yeah. So, but over the years, we hope that we could really develop like extensive work and performance that really is integrated whether it's within the building like in the architecture not just a response but pieces that are really specifically cre created for the space and for the public mm -hmm. by the artists mm -hmm. this is something that's key artists who yeah. work in the yeah. spaces yes absolutely yeah. well Vanini Chinwat, Susan thank you very much for joining me today and I thank hope this you. is a conversation that can continue and wishes that can blossom. Thanks. Sure. Thank you.